Good morning. Hope you have your Bibles this morning. We'll be in 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. We will be in 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, we are continuing where we left off uh, two weeks ago. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What a wonderful verse. And I wish the message of the gospel stopped right there. Jesus has died for your sins. You can cast all your anxieties on him. Isn't it nice? But we need to continue because there is an adversary waiting for us. There is a difficulty on the other side of discipleship that causes us to need to be ready. Because today's section is what takes discipleship from surface to genuine. It takes our faith from its infancy to its maturity. It helps show us the direction that we should go. So I hope we can see the challenges of our text today and grow in our faith to face them. Part of the struggle of discipleship is the fact that we have an adversary. Uh, you know, having an adversary already is difficult. We want to go into something unopposed. You know, smooth sailing is kind of a phrase you hear. But then we read in our text about what kind of adversary we have. And it should scare us. It should make us have some pause. Because we already have a lot of difficulties with life itself. There's discouragement. There's difficulty. There's sadness. There are things that we have to overcome that aren't even necessarily explicitly from the adversary. But then we read in our text, we have someone actively trying to tear us away from the grace of God. Wow, what do we do about that? What can we do against such an adversary? Let's read our text. 1 Peter chapter 5, picking up in verse 8, we'll read through verse 11. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout all the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The final goal of Peter's letter is to teach the people who are hearing this to resist the devil. The steps to resisting him are in our preparation, in our faith, and in our relationships. We'll go through that in a little bit. And we'll take some time to look at those steps to resist the devil. But before we get there, we need to take some time to identify the adversary. Who is this that we're dealing with before we learn about how to resist him? In a sense, it's encouraging that we have an adversary. That means we're allied with God. It means that we have a relationship with God. If the devil is trying to oppose us, we're in the right. We're trying to at least go for the right. And so we have this uh, reminder that if the devil were not our enemy, we would not be allied with Christ. And it's especially encouraging that we have this enemy because we know through the scriptures that God has given us that the devil is going to be defeated. The devil is defeated. He has won the war. God has won the war against Satan through Jesus Christ and now is continuing to rout the devil because of that victory. I, I thought of an illustration for this that kind of is helpful to me. I hope it's helpful to you. That this victory that God has over Satan that is 
happened and still happening. It's kind of like a game of chess. You know, the better player has dominated the board. There's only a king and maybe another pawn left on the board, and the, the better player has all the pieces left. The losing player can move those pieces around as much as they want, but they're not going to change the outcome. Checkmate is coming. Checkmate is inevitable. And that is the kind of victory that God has over Satan. Satan is still active in this world. He's still moving his pieces around. But his defeat is assured. There's no chance that he can have a victory here. So we have this victory over our adversary that we know has happened. And we know we can be allied with the stronger almighty God. That mighty hand of God is there to remind us. But it's also encouraging to us because it helps unify us in our walk with Christ. That we know we have a shared adversary. Sometimes Christians don't behave the way they should because they forget the devil is their adversary. And if they forget the devil's their adversary, they start to make each other their adversary. And they start to fight amongst themselves over things that they shouldn't be fighting over and act in ways that they shouldn't act like. And so... The devil being our adversary can be a blessing. It can keep us focused. It can help us to remember the forces of evil are set against us and that we need to be strong against those. You know, it's not popular in our world today to acknowledge the devil. It's not a fun topic. You know, our world struggles to admit that sin is real, let alone the devil himself. And so we need to think some more about identifying our adversary, understanding him a little bit, and trying to see what Satan's goals are for us. Satan's existence is well documented throughout the Bible. I mean, if Satan weren't real, you'd have to deal with the temptations of Jesus. You'd have to deal with the beginning of Genesis. You'd have to deal with the book of Job, and on and on and on. He's referenced constantly. You'd have to reconcile how the Bible teaches, because the Satan's just a reality of the scriptures. And I think that some of the artist renditions of the devil have done some harm. You know, they, we think of the horns and the hooves and the tail and the, uh, not, not, yeah, no, I was thinking rake, but not rake, <laughs> you know. But, you know, we have these kind of wild pictures of what he is that are nowhere to be found in Scripture. They're just something that has been drawn. And so that kind of plays into our idea of the, um, of the world's idea, the culture's idea of the, f the struggle to believe in, in something like Satan. Now, we don't have time today to look into every instance of Satan's appearances in Scripture. But today's lesson will help give us a glimpse into who he is so that we can resist him. But what we can say is every time the devil is mentioned, he is not taken lightly. He is a force to be reckoned with. He is powerful. He is devious. He is sneaky. He is dangerous. The devil is always taken seriously. And we'll see that today in our text. Because in our text, we see a description of our adversary. You'll see it on the screen behind me. It is a lion, a roaring lion. And the picture Peter here uses is a picture of power. That's why a lion roars. It uh, roars to show its power both to other predators. Stay away from my prey. Stay away from my kill. This is my food. Don't mess with me. It also shows it to other lions. 
you know, who's the boss around here? Those are the reasons that it roars. It's a picture of power. And the early church had another picture of a lion that we may not get. You know, they had seen emperors like Caligula and Nero who had used lions for entertainment in places like the Colosseum. Their enemies, and sometimes even Christians, were put into the Colosseum and other arenas and caused to fight against lions for the sport and entertainment of the highest class Romans. When they saw a lion, they saw a picture of power, they saw a picture of fear, and it was something they got immediately. I wish we had a little bit better picture of that in our minds, because when I think lion, I think of going to the zoo, and it's just lying there on the other side of the glass, and it's not moved for the last 10 minutes, and is this really that scary? But seeing a lion in its natural form, natural habitat, in, its, in a place where it is truly violent is a picture of power, and it is a frightening picture. So, Peter is showing us a powerful enemy. And what's its goal? It's in our verse. What's the lion trying to do? Seeking someone to devour. That's the picture of a lion. That's the picture of what the devil wants. He wants to eat us up, take us away, remove us, kill us from our relationship, from the mighty hand of God that we should have humbled ourselves before. What a scary picture. But then Peter adds a verb earlier in the verse. Do you see it? What verb does he put there? The lion is prowling. I really like that verb. I think it's helpful for us to see. When a lion prowls, what it's doing is it's getting low to the ground, kind of beneath the tall grass in Africa, so it can't be seen by the things it's hunting. So then suddenly it'll leap up out of the grass to surprise its prey, likely roaring as it does it to frighten it, and it overpowers it. This is helpful to us because it shows us how the devil works. You know, the devil doesn't come up and introduce himself to us so obviously. Hi, I'm the devil, and today I am going to sift you like wheat. Well, you know, that's not our experience with the devil. Although, to be, to be honest, what happens is that same phrase, Jesus says to Peter, the devil is seeking to sift you like wheat, and the devil still gets him to sin and deny Jesus. That's how sneaky the devil is. That's how crafty he is to get us. Even if we know he's coming, he gets us in ways that we may not expect. He is a prowler. He is sneaky. You know, what the Bible calls him is he's disguised as an angel of light. He comes in ways we may not expect. And he changes sin to look like things we may not think about. And he causes us to fall in ways we wouldn't dream of. Maybe one of the ways he does this in making sin seem small. Maybe through humor. You know, so, mo- so much of our culture laughs at sin. Movies and shows over the last few decades have shown alcohol to be a joke. You know, anytime someone is drunk on screen, that is a time for us all to join in together and laugh and to see how silly that whole situation is. And it's the butt of every joke in these sitcoms and shows to make us dismiss sin as no big deal. Or even jokes about sexuality in our culture. I mean, it starts so small. Shows that just seem to be innocent, even innocuous, and just how little it seems to matter in the time. But over time, those things snowball into a greater and greater and greater reach with what they are trying to do. And now, look where we are today with sexual sin rampant among us. 
where we see the devil has made significant strides and ground has been made in this battle so that he can grab the souls of more and more people. Maybe he causes us to not notice sin just by how common it is. An example of this is the love of money today. Have you noticed, if you've watched sports at all, you probably have, how prevalent gambling commercials are right now? Every football game, there's four or five different gambling companies that are saying, hey, give us your money. You could make a lot. You could really pursue something great here. The devil has swept under every industry, every corner of the world, and caused sin to rise up gradually. He's prowling, seeking someone to devour. He is looking for us to slip up, to not notice sin, to not see the devil's involvement. Because if we're not careful, the devil will sneak up on us and overpower us. That's the image of the lion that we need to see. Because we never need to underestimate the power of sin and what it can do to us. You can be overwhelmed by sin before you even realize it. All right, front two rows. Let me get you for a second. You are going to have friends, or you already have friends, who are committing sins very publicly in school. And those sins may seem like they are harmless at the time. You know, maybe even popular. My friends are, I mean, they're the most popular kids in school. They're the ones doing this. They're drinking. They're doing drugs. They're talking about their sex lives. They're talking about pornography. Those things are the devil devouring. Those things are the devil prowling on everyone else. Avoid those things at all costs. See them for what they are. They may look popular in the moment, but they are not going to bring you any closer to God. What they will end up leaving you is hurting and being devoured. Those things are easier for us to stop if we never start than to stop if we've started and kept going for a long time. Is that true for the people who have caused sins in their own lives? It's easier to stop if you've never started. We've got to keep that in mind. When we see something we're tempted by, put those walls up as soon as we possibly can. So it's true for all of us that we need to avoid sin at all costs. So we've identified the devil. We've seen him as the roaring lion. So how do we resist him? Let's see it in our text. The first thing that we see is in verse 8. In our preparation, be sober-minded, be watchful. The term sober-minded means self-control in the mind. It's to be under control, focused on the right things, and careful. If we're going to have any success resisting the devil, we have to have that goal in our minds all the time. Many people fail to resist the devil because they have been aimless in their efforts at avoiding sin. You know, I'm, I'm sure that eventually I'll be strong enough and I'll overcome it. That doesn't work. We need to be people with a plan, people with a mindset to resist. You know, Peter started the letter with the same teaching. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Being sober-minded has a dual purpose here. Here in our text, it's about avoiding Satan. Be sober-minded because the devil is hunting you. But in the beginning of the letter, it comes right after a passage that's very different. 
Be sober-minded because God has given you a great inheritance that is not worth losing. The reward is so great. Your God is so great. Jesus has done so much for you. So be sober-minded. This causes us to see it from both directions. How great God is and how dangerous the devil is will be, help us to be doubly focused on what we need to be. So keep your mind under self-control. The next part that Peter mentions is be watchful. The devil is prowling around, coming closer to us. So are we watching? Let me ask you, would you rather see a lion coming from a long distance or have him right on top of you, leaping and roaring right next to you? Right? The answer is pretty obvious. We want to know where the devil is coming from, which direction he is in, how much time we have. We want to be prepared. And part of preparation is knowing our weak spots, knowing where we're vulnerable. Where is the devil coming from me? What are your most difficult temptations? Is it pride? Is it sex? Over-reliance on money? Selfishness? We need to know our weak points because the devil sure knows them. So all of us need to reflect on this and ask for help from others, pray to God for help in those times, and even make changes so that we are less vulnerable to Satan. If your right hand causes you to sin, what do you do? You cut it off. Part of that is knowing my right hand causes me to sin. Are we watchful? Are we watchful to see what the devil does to us? Are you prepared for temptations to come? Because the devil will come to try to take us. That is inevitable. God doesn't say, you can avoid the devil forever if you're careful. You can't. He's going to tempt you. So what comes next whenever he arrives? And that is the next part of our verse. Do you see it there in verse 9? Resist him firm in your faith. Trusting in God so that we are obedient in our lives and we are uh, staying close to him no matter what is essential to resisting the devil. If we trust God's promises and we are willing to do anything to follow God in discipleship, avoiding the devil becomes a different conversation altogether. We're people who are changed. In Ephesians chapter 6, another passage about how the devil is coming after you. It's this, uh, these... Um, form of that is not like anything physical. This spiritual enemy is coming after you. So what do you do? You pick up the shield of faith. You put on the armor of God. You are surrounded by the character of God so that you are prepared for the devil's schemes against us. Because faith shows us that we aren't alone in our fight against the, de the devil. Faith shows us that we can trust in our God and he will bring us through this difficult fight that we are in. And you know, I like the description of faith in this verse. What does Peter say? Firm in your faith. We're not flimsy in our faith. We're not brittle, easily broken. We're not, you know, any kind of weakness. We are trying to be as strong as we can, planted, so that we are not easily moved. We are ready and strong and able to resist the temptations of the devil. We stand. Faith will stand when it is battered, what it is challenged. But we need to realize before we start to conjure up an image that I am able to resist the devil because I am strong. I am powerful. I am able to do this. That there's more to it than that. Because the next thing we see in our verse is that we aren't alone. 
that we are tempted alongside other people, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Part of Peter's message to the Christians who need encouragement with this letter is that they are not the only ones to go through this. There are people everywhere who are going through the same fight. They share the same adversary. They struggle with the same sins, and they serve the same king. That's an encouragement. You are fighting against a dangerous enemy, but you have a people saved by the same great God who is helped support us all so that we can defend ourselves against the temptations of the devil. When you're feeling tempted, it feels often like, I say, man, I'm the only one. Everyone else around me is so good, and I'm the only one really suffering and struggling with these sins. Well, I think all of us know when we're hearing you say it out loud, that's not true. That's not true. We're all struggling with sin. We're all struggling with temptation. And we need to look at each other, help each other, pray for each other, be there for each other. Because getting sin out of our lives is one of the most important things that we can do. That we can have a godliness, a righteousness that we strive for. You know, there's a reason. God has created us this way, by the way. It's a social nature that when we struggle together, when we struggle together, we last a lot longer than we struggle alone. When you struggle alone, you fall short, you give up sooner, but when you're a part of a group that struggles together, you push through things. God has created us that way. I mean, there's a reason Alcoholics Anonymous is a group setting. I mean, kind of ironic, but it's a group setting that they come together and they last in their resolve longer to defeat their addiction. If they did it alone, it wouldn't work. God has designed us this way that we can help each other in these moments. We benefit from others to overcome obstacles, physical and spiritual. Peter sees this and encourages us with the kingdom-wide experience that we all share, that we overcome our adversary. You know what the text doesn't say here? I wish it did. If you resist strongly enough, you can defeat the devil. If you are disciplined enough, he'll give up. No, it's nowhere to be found in our text. So where's our hope? That's verses 10 and 11. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. There is great victory. That's what we see here, because God is able to bring you through this great difficulty with the adversary. Peter doesn't say this here, but this verse is a defeat of Satan. It is a defeat of the adversary. He has been pushed back. He has been overwhelmed. And so everything we have said so far is just to help us endure until this moment where God has defeated Satan once and for all. And what we just read and what we're going to finish up with will help us to find that victory. Because in this great victory, in other passages, God's victory is focused on his defeat over Satan. That's very God-focused. In this one, it's us-focused. What happens to us when God defeats Satan? It is after a little while. Do you notice that there in verse 10? That there is suffering that's going to happen. There is a need for us to endure, a need for us to resist, a need for us to be strong in the meantime. But someday, when the final victory is won over Satan... We see four things that God does for us. 
He restores, He confirms, He strengthens, and He establishes. You know, all of those are so different than the feeling of anxiety that we talked about two weeks ago. Laying up our anxieties on God when we are struggling with how anxious and fearful we can be. Those four things are so different from our time avoiding the devil, the lion who is hunting to devour us. This is a place of safety, resting in the eternal glory in Christ. Notice in our verse, it comes all from God's grace. The God of all grace has called you to eternal glory in Christ. God is giving us the victory. This gift is come, has come to us, and we didn't earn it because of our faith, our strong resisting of the devil. But God is a loving, giving God who wants us to be saved. But on the other hand, we need to endure this in faith the sins and temptations so that we don't waste the gift of God's grace that he's given us. Thanks be to God for what he has done for us. I hope you'll see the devil and you'll resist him. His ways are not always obvious, but he's there. He's real and he's coming. But our God is there. He's real and he is protecting. What a great God we serve. We serve a God who hears our prayers, who helps our anxieties, who gives us total victory over the devil. There is so much that is praiseworthy to our God, and there is no victory for the devil. There is no benefit in staying with him. All of the benefit comes to the one who stays with him who is worthy of all praise. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we're going to sing a song that will help us to be focusing our minds and strengthening our resolve to stay with the Lord because the reward is great. I pray we can follow him all the way. Let's stand together as we sing.